0: concept of going back to the belly of the beast going back to this place where you experienced that freeze state not being able to step up and do something not being able to say or use your voice in the way that would have you know protected in a way your brain is telling you you know the intrusive thought is you didn't you didn't protect your child in that moment um and then there's the reenacting of the scenario and going back to back to that place and being able to play out the situation in a way that you feel empowered
1: welcome everybody to the depths of motherhood podcast i'm your host danielle this week we welcome ashley mariani onto the show ashley is a registered clinical social worker providing psychotherapy to couples who are looking to enhance their relationship with one another Ashley specializes in perinatal mental health, relationship and sexual enhancement, personal development and psychoeducation. From preconception to processing changes after birth, Ashley offers a safe space for growth and attachment building. And in this episode, we are going to be exploring what sex can look like in the postpartum phase. And in this conversation, we're really exploring what sex would look like in the postpartum phase immediately after giving birth to the first year, second year. And this is something that many of our listeners has been, have been asking for for a long time because of feeling a disconnect to their body, but also wanting to feel that deep connection with their partner so Ashley talks about ways that we can communicate our needs and desires with our partners and also how to listen to our bodies to really go deep to see what it is that our body feels safe with our body feels nourished with in each moment and seeing where our boundaries might be pushed And I ask what her advice would be if we noticed that there was a trigger arising during sex. And she shares really great communication tools. Well, first of all, noticing it in yourself. And then secondly, being able to use words to make some space in a healthy way. Not to make your partner feel rejected, but to also allow some time to really slow things down and tune back in to the body and she talks about other ways to be intimate and connect because it's not all about penetration and it really got me thinking about you know the six week time frame that's given to many mothers after six weeks you know then you can exercise and you can have sex and I just never felt that that fit (laughs) because every mother has their own unique birth and each body is so different in the way that it heals because if we believe everything that we are being fed, there runs a risk of having sex before your body, mind is ready And it might cause you to disassociate with your body, to really close down, to not feel. It might cause you to push away or create drama to really get that space. And sometimes we do these things without realizing. So if we can start to really figure out what's going on inside, what's going on underneath, then we can communicate with our partner, so that everyone knows what is happening. Everyone feels comfortable with the pace. And I asked Ashley if she thinks that sex can support the healing of birth trauma. And she believes that it can. If done in a conscious way, with gentleness and compassion, to really be able again, just to be with everything that arises. And I suppose a lot of this, we talk about communication and coming back to the body and really just being able to know where our boundaries are and to see when the boundaries are being pushed. And for me personally, I found that after I gave birth, I really didn't feel strong with my boundaries in many ways. Even when I went for a massage, I just felt like I couldn't tell her no, like this is too hard. I really didn't have that strength. I was so depleted. And I think having these conversations beforehand with your partner would be very, very powerful and just help you to get in tune with one another. And on the other side, it might be completely different from what you spoke about, before you gave birth, but I think just getting started with these conversations. And so I'm whispering right now because my baby's in bed. I know some episodes I sound really like lively and loud and like I'm gonna jump down the microphone. So this one is a soothing one. <laughs> I'm really excited to get into this episode with you. And before we start, I'd love to welcome you to our online women's circle membership, where we have wi- weekly. <laughs> gatherings and guest speakers this is a space to explore tools for body literacy nourishing practices for the body and womb and also practices for radical rest which is something that many of us are not used to and these are just a few things that are going to be coming up in this space the first circle that we did was the sisterhood wound which is the last episode as well that i shared on this podcast and last week we shared a womb initiation practice which really was a deep embodiment practice which was to really get into the knots in our body and to release unnecessary tension so that we can find that movement in our pelvis and find that space around our womb so that fresh blood can just flow to this space And it can be nourished and revived so that we can start communicating again and listening to the language of our body. And this week, we are doing a workshop with a dear friend of mine, Yana, who will be exploring the root of relationship dynamics. And the way Yana teaches is really bringing forward the practices of inner child healing, and shadow work. So I'm really excited to explore this. And next week, I am going to be sharing a pelvis mapping session. And we're first of all just going to start by getting to know the bony and squishy bits of our pelvis, around our pelvis, to figure out, okay, what is happening? What would be the best way for my female body to move? What would be the best way to make space and to strengthen? So I really hope you can join us. And if you've missed any of the circles, they're all going to be recorded and saved in the live-in library. And I just feel that by understanding ourselves on every level, we are enabling ourselves to make informed decisions about our health. And I know that things in the world are going a little bit crazy right now, and especially with a lot of currencies really struggling. So if you would like a discount code, please reach out on Instagram or through email, junglemama at protonmail.com or on Instagram, Depth and Motherhood Podcast. Let me know and I will sort you out. <laughs> also... If uh, you would like to join us on the podcast or know someone that would be a good match, please reach out as well. Okay, let us take a moment to check in with our body and the rhythm of our breath. And really guiding the breath down to the womb space, expanding the womb right down to the base of the spine. As you exhale, just feel this gentle drawing of, just very, very gentle. Let's just do that breath two more times. Sinking down and exhale, feeling the breath move from the tailbone to the top of the head. Welcome, everybody, to the Depths of Motherhood podcast. I'm your co host, Danielle. This week, Angelica and I welcome Ashley onto the show. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Thank you for being here. We are so excited to get this conversation started. <laughs> we nearly forgot to jump into the episode because we're talking so much on the other side about sex and coffee and rock and roll and all that <laughs> <good> stuff. <so. laughs> like we need to get in we need to record so I would love Ashley for you to share with our listeners Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what got you to this point how did you come to do the work that you're doing
0: oh that's such a a great but complex question so (laughs) I um I did an undergraduate degree in sexuality um and uh, I probably that was inspired by just um growing up in a family where sex wasn't necessarily talked about, um, experiencing my own trauma within the context of a young relationship and looking for ways to better understand what was coming up for me and how to feel empowered um, in my body and in my mind, uh, growing into the woman that I was becoming. So I thought going into academia and and understanding it from that lens made the most sense. Um, And then I became a mother uh, three times. So I have twins that are a year and a half and I have a five-year-old. And my own journey of becoming a mother and my own feelings of being disconnected from uh, that sense of um maidenhood I would say this idea that we we think that it's so chronological when it comes to experiencing um the maidenhood the motherhood and then becoming the crone and and really trying to shake things up a little bit to say like why can't we go back to experiencing that maidenhood energy after becoming a mother um and like for a lot of people your own journey kind of leads you to doing the work and helping the other people in the world i love what you're saying
1: about you know the maiden the mother and the crone i'm really looking into them archetypes at the minute and just seeing that they're all within it's just mm-hmm. tuning into them and i feel this conversation today is much needed because on the other side of giving birth whether it's your first or second or third or fourth whatever it is you are, you come out on the other side transformed And Mm -hmm. there's a time to get into know your yourself again, your body, your mind, all this wisdom that you've pulled through, going through the rites of passage at that time. And then there comes a point where, okay, my partner's on the other side waiting for me. Mm. And I don't know, maybe you had a fabulous sex life before, or maybe not, but it doesn't matter because on this side, everything's different. And, but also... Hmm. How do we? How can we, as um, mothers, know when it's time to actually step into to that and step into having sex with our partners, making love, yeah. connecting? Because it's it's such a confusing time, and we're told so much on the other side. Like, oh, you should you should wait till you've had your first checkup. You should wait till six weeks. You should wait till this. And everyone's telling us things, but maybe we're not ready. You know, like
0: that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. And, and having a medicalized birth too is going to create that disconnect from your intuition and your true knowing even more so. Right. So um, Kimberly Ann Johnson, who is the author of the fourth trimester, she has said that postpartum, the postpartum time calls for the feminization of sex. Which means placing the women, the woman's pleasure at the center of each encounter and deconditioning ourselves to think of sex as being about penetration and orgasm Mm. and instead reflecting on what sex would have to look like to recharge you to energize you and give you inspiration. So to think about being ready to have sex. Um, I would say that it's important to think about processing what's preventing you from experiencing pleasure, right? Are sometimes we get into this headspace of like a martyrdom, a martyrdom headspace. And are you preventing yourself from experiencing pleasure in all aspects of your life in just the sexual aspect of your life? Are you preventing yourself from experiencing pleasure with yourself or just with your partner? Um, Do you feel any experience of trauma during labor or delivery or birth? Has you disconnected from your body? Do you feel a loneliness or a disconnection from your partner? Uh, Is your central nervous system on high alert? So being ready to have sex is going to look different for everyone, but having an ongoing feeling of connectedness and safety within your own body and within the partnership is of utmost importance. So if connectedness and safety isn't there, then I can say universally that sex probably isn't um, the best course of action at that time. Does that make
1: sense? Yes, it does. <laughs> wow. That's really great information. And I, I love that you were taking in all these different aspects of it because it's not just the sex. It's yeah. not just that there's so much to it. And also we spoke a lot in other episodes about what birth can bring up. So it mm-hmm. might not be that you have that everything might run so smoothly in your, your labor, but as you're going through that, it might pull up some old wounds that you mm. weren't expecting to see. So mm-hmm. even though it might look all glorious, like everything went to plan, <laughs> but some things came up for you and you weren't expecting to see them on the other side. And I and I really like what you said about, you know, noticing how you're receiving in other ways as well. If you're allowing yourself pleasure in other areas. And I wonder what questions that mothers could ask themselves um, to really figure out what's going on. What would be some top questions that you would say, okay, sit down with these and see what arises on the other side?
0: Yeah, um, that's wonderful. That's a great question. Uh, My my knee-jerk reaction is to talk about fear. So I would say if you're preventing yourself from... Experiencing uh, pleasure in or receiving pleasure in all aspects of life. Are you debilitated by fear? Is fear holding you back? Um, even anxiety. If if you can recognize that you're someone that has experienced symptoms of anxiety of anxiety in the past, and you identify with the word anxiety, and and it's preventing you from experiencing and being present and being mindful now then I would go down that path of exploring how fear shows up in your life how fear is controlling your life um who is at the who's in the driver's seat of the fear are does fear have friends that you know skip gleefully in through your mind um with it? Is there um is there other aspects of um inadequacy or expectation that is preventing you? Um how did you cope with feeling isolated or feeling alone or feeling secluded as a as a child or as a teenager and are those feelings coming up again? So what are your survival tactics and are they, um, at play now? Um, cause a lot of the times what we see is, um, individuals who, like I had mentioned, kind of take on this martyr role of, of being sacrificing themselves to get, um, the praise that they so desperately are looking for and need. Um, and that's how they've, coped through life. but when you become a mother, um, their society gives you this this expectation that there is going to be sacrifice and there definitely is going to be sacrifice. But understanding choice and the fact that you have so many choices to make throughout the day is important. So what are you choosing um, actively choosing to move away from when it comes to receiving pleasure? Um, and is that because of fear? And what are you choosing to move towards? Mm. Wow,
1: well, they're great things to explore. Really great. Yeah. It, it, I, I was just thinking about, for me, I, we made love four weeks after, mm-hmm. like around four weeks. It wasn't like four weeks. Okay, let's go. But mm-hmm. um, I, there's a few things that arose for me that I noticed. One, I was afraid of um, that, sexual energy inside of me or like the way that I the way that I interacted with my partner previously to becoming pregnant I was afraid that that would go forever and that comes from seeing my family from seeing my mom not have a very high sex drive or having sexual desires and I I was afraid because I didn't want that because I saw it as such a, a big part of our lives and and actually it turned out to be something so beautiful because Alongside exploring and taking it really slow, I was also doing uh Yoni steams, I was doing self-massage, I was taking my mirror and I was looking, and I was I was drawing my vulva. And and honestly, it was such a, a journey for me because when I looked, I didn't look the same. So I felt like I was uh looking at a different person. And and also I did tear. So there was the healing of that. And honestly, I do think now on the other side. It was too soon Hmm. for me because there was some discomfort and then I had to work through that, but it's all part of everyone's journey, right? Of listening to yourself, found finding the, the boundaries that you have and feeling and listening to what comes up during. And it really takes that safe space to communicate that with, with your partner and, but mine really was the fear of like losing that sexual attraction between each other, because that's what I'd seen so much of people that i had grown up with my family of losing that after they'd had children. Mm-hmm. So it was a massive thing for me to like work through that, actually. And I'm, I'm really interested to hear your story and Angelica's story around this. And I know you've had more babies than us you've been doing a great job (laughs) but yeah I would love to know like the differences if you would like to
0: share yeah I I I think that um I, I even recognize for me being in academia and and taking a course um studying sexuality there was this identity associated with like being the person that knows everything about sex I do do not know everything about sex but you know going to the parties and um having people ask all these sexual questions very silly sexual questions sometimes um, like will you have sex with your clients no I will not have sex with my clients that's not how any kind of sex therapy works Um, but just kind of like having this identity around having the answers when it comes to sex and sexuality and then moving into this space of motherhood where I did go through birth trauma and I didn't feel connected to my body anymore. Um, and feeling, uh, almost an imposter syndrome around, I sh- I should know what to do here. I should, mm-hmm. I should know how to work through this and, um, trying to outthink instead of tap into the that the feelings tap into the somatic experience of what was happening um and then also having a past experience in you know the world of of competitive bodybuilding and literally being judged on uh the aesthetic of your body and then going through pregnancy and having such a shift in your body especially after twins, carrying twins till 40 weeks, changes your body drastically. Mm. Um, and really trying to find inspiration in unique places to light that spark of, you know, what is sexy and how can I embody, I uh, I mean, I'm not a huge Beyonce fan, but um, I like to say, like, how can I embody my own version of Sasha Fierce, where we kind of, you um, take an avatar, uh, a character version of someone, maybe a different version or past version of ourselves and create this character that is so strong and so sexually empowered and enter into that headspace when we want to be sexual with ourselves or with our partner. So that has been helpful, I think, with clients' work too, Um, but just kind of knowing that uh, your your partner also assists with this headspace of of um, r- providing affirmation and reaffirming the the chemistry and the intimacy.
2: Yeah. Oh well, yeah, it's such a big journey. Thank you for sharing that. It's um, and it can look in so many different ways. Hey, like mm-hmm. I I I heard also. Other women saying, but I feel just so overtouched as well. Yes. Because as we're coming, to, you know, to the other side, and all of a sudden now we have this little human being that is, um, yeah, you know, their life depends on us and, and our physical bodies. And I remember that change for me was like, wow, like I did, like this is something I've never, no one has ever told me this or, or um, like talked about this, like that, that shift. And I think that even some women feel like, well, you know, I have somebody on top of me 24-7. Mm-hmm. I just need some space to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that is also a big factor in that, like, okay, I just want my body to myself for a little while before I give it away again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, But, like, for, for me, it, um, but I'm, yeah, as you're speaking now, I'm just like, yeah, I definitely have to ask myself these questions so I'm going to have to sit down a little and really dig deep and I think for me there has been a, um like a longing for more like sexual intimacy mm-hmm. and and my partner's like oh no it's fine like no we don't like we're not in a rush we can take it step by step and I'm like come on let's just do it <laughs> um and it's interesting because he's also like I'm exhausted like you know we have a baby now I'm working we're working and we're doing all these things and and me and Danielle has been speaking about this and then one day I realized that when well, I'm also responsible for my for awakening I mean I do not feel very sexy and I do not I mean and then when I don't feel very sexy I don't here very sexy and and you know just like walking around like a potato sack and like uh, you know like whining about why don't you want me then okay well hold on I'm also responsible for my own sexuality in a way can I awaken it within myself and or is it just my thoughts so this is something I'm looking at is it just also um like you mentioned Danielle, this fear of losing it so am I just operating on the, the fear of losing that that connection we used to have instead of just being in what is and accept it for now and know that everything comes in cycles in life and in our relationships and and you know after birth maybe yeah there's a new cycle or something else that needs to be nurtured and um but I definitely feel that we have we have spoken about this many many times and we are very um how can you say loving mm-hmm. I would say like very like we could touch each other kiss each other hug and like sit close to each other you know like these little things every single day so there is definitely intimacy mm-hmm. there's a lot of intimacy but sometimes it just yeah for me I just miss that maiden juicy mm-hmm. <laughs> sensual the last. Angelica yeah Alas. yeah mm-hmm. exactly Do you hear that
1: a lot, Ashley, with people that you work with, like women trying to tune back in to
0: that energy? No, I wish I could say yes, that I did. But I think that the opposite, I think that um, women are quite happy, not having any kind mm. of sexual desires mm-hmm. um, and the tension comes from their partner needing them to show up in a way that they're not mm-hmm. ready. to I would say more often around the two to three year postpartum mark, we see this awakening as Angelica had talked about this awakening of the maiden of the lust of the juiciness. That's probably Coincides with um, the window of time that is most optimal to have another pregnancy or have another birth. Usually, right. in, in the three-month yeah. mark is when you know the body has replenished nutrients adequately and um, hormones have leveled themselves out for the most part. Um, mm. Many women are are ending their breastfeeding journey around that time too. So I think that there's probably a correlation to some degree. Yes, um, that makes but sense. yeah, I wish there were more women that were looking to kind of light that fire inside of them. But I think that's that's more of a systemic issue than anything else.
1: Right, right. And, and Angelica, I love what you were saying about taking responsibility as well. And it comes from these practices like we've been speaking about of coming back to our body and listening and i feel personally through movement through somatic movement has been very powerful for me so we spoke about this actually on another podcast about Mm. tuning into what it is that is our truth and what is our passion and Mm. i feel with this conversation the same taking some time for yourself and just feeling your body very gently and building in with it and seeing that when you start moving differently like when you start realizing this isn't the same body as it was before I became pregnant. So how does it move now? Like, what does it like to do? Where is its limitations? And from that, I feel that like you'll be able to tune into what it is that you desire from, from life, from your partnership, from from having sex, because it might look completely different, right? On the other side. And and also creating them boundaries. So if your, your partner's really pushing, because, They want you to, they want to get back, back on it already. (laughs) And you're just not ready. If you can create them boundaries through being with yourself, then you're creating that safe space for yourself to grow. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I just, I just love, I just love the idea of women just coming back, slowing down and just slowly moving their body and breathing and feeling what they have to play with now. And I suppose that leads me into the next uh, question that I wanted to ask of, Once we figure out what it is that we want and we don't want, how can we communicate these needs and desires with with our partner in a way that's um, easy easy to digest? Because Mm -hmm. I I feel for me on the other side, I've had to really um, learn how to communicate again because I don't have the time to... Play games like I might have done before, or like, you know, just the way that I communicated, I just don't get that. So I'm like, how do I say it in the sh- shortest possible way that's loving for both of us?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I hope that you're enjoying this week's episode. I'd like to take a moment to share a little bit about this week's sponsor, Evolving Humans. Evolving Humans teaches the most effective energy healing technique which we can use to restore balance throughout our whole body. Personally, I have found this practice to be extremely simple and deeply transformative. When I mastered this technique, I was able to regain power over my life. I finally stopped running and distracting myself from my emotions. This technique teaches you to feel the energy in your body and be with it so it can be seen and loved and without any force or suppression. And from that space, it finds its own path which clears you of any unnecessary tension. Have you ever suffered with a chronic disease, injury, mental turbulence, heartache, depression, anxiety, I could go on and on. The question is, what do all of these expressions have in common? They create a sensation in your body, which creates a discomfort or a pain. What do you usually do when you feel something like this? We are taught to do whatever it takes to remove the pain. Wouldn't you like to heal yourself without relying on an external source? Like I mentioned before, it's so simple. It takes no mental power to do this. You literally just have to feel evolving humans are offering a 10 percent discount on their course which will share everything you need to know visit evolvinghumans.com and use the code motherhood22 and i'm gonna put all the links in the show notes thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the show
0: yeah oh so For connected sex to happen, because connection is the anecdote to threat, right? And Mm. um, if you're forcing your body to go through the motions, but your central nervous system is setting off all the alarm bells that indicate that there's a predator, um, we want to make sure that there's connection. And threat prevents us from getting to the point of desire and arousal. So for connect connected sex to happen, there are kind of like a few housekeeping items that need to be addressed. Uh, one, are resentments, do, do, do resentments have the ability to be cleared away? Are they able to be cleared away? Um, are you letting your partner know you feel attraction to them? Do, do you communicate this in some way, whatever way makes sense for the two of you? And again, that might look different now. Um, do you communicate that you feel a desire or a desire to be close to them? And you're right when you have, you know, children running around, you know, constantly in through your feet while you're trying to serve, a meal or fold some laundry, it doesn't really feel as romantic as it used to. And so something as simple as, you know, wearing a particular shirt or a scrunchie or, um, a, a bracelet might be something that you've agreed upon that, you know, when I'm wearing my yellow scrunchie, it means that I am open to you initiating sex or making advances or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, Start taking time for things like what the Gottman, the Gottman Institute is an institute for couples. It it recommends a six second kiss and a 20 second hug. So being able to say, I have at least 26 seconds for you in a day. And six of those is going to be a kiss and 20 of those is going to be a hug. (laughs) Um, And having opportunities for oxytocin to... Mm -hmm. Um, be released right the more the more opportunity we can associate oxytocin with our partner the closer we're going to feel to them and as a postpartum woman oxytocin is your superpower right it's it's created the bond between you and baby up until this point so channeling it in a new way is is kind of cool to see the outcome um and it's those those moments of like the 20 second hug is enough time for oxytocin to be released. And you can feel your body and your partner's body take that sigh and kind of just melt into each other's arms, even for, you know, the 20 seconds that you're doing it. Um, But the woman's pleasure is the center of the experience again. So Mm -hmm. everything else is secondary and, If a couple has a hard time communicating needs and desires outside of the vulnerable experience of sex, then communicating needs and desires during sex will be much harder. So recognizing, is this a skill we're lacking in general? Can I communicate my needs around, um, communication? Can I communicate my needs around, um, household tasks around finances around extended family and if I can't do those things then I can't expect that communicating needs around sex is going to be easy at all
2: Mm,
1: there are some great tips and as you're talking I'm thinking about the you know the the pelvis and throat connection So if Mm -hmm. there's any contraction there, you're also having that tightness in your throat. So what can you do to open your throat, to open your pelvis, like, you know, to work in holistically. And I was just thinking about, you know, singing and we did an episode last week about drumming. So I was thinking about, you know, drumming and just singing or humming and just feeling your voice without having to process what you're about to say, just like making sounds. What does that
0: feel like? And I love that too, because that's also connected to the vagus nerve, right? Our, mm. our vagus nerve and toning our vagus nerve, um, lots of interventions like humming and singing and gargling um, and splashing your neck and face area with cold water, all are ways to kind of biohack that alarm system in our body to say, snap out of it. The, you know, the bear, the the predator is gone. You've either killed it or you've outrun it. So it's not a threat anymore. You're safe. Now let's kind of de-escalate. Let's move into this parasympathetic state where we can rest. And, you know, it's called feed and breed for a reason.
2: Yeah, I have, I had, um, um, Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No. So, I mean, it's just fantastic what happens when you start doing that, as as you're saying, like sounding, doing all these little practices and practicing with your partner, who's supposed to be this safe space, right? And hopefully is. And even even with my partner, we have a. Yep. We have a um. beautiful relationship but sometimes I've had like you know I'm almost shivering once like wanting to express what I need or 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 just something that I want to say and but the more I practice it's it's incredible what what happens on the other side of that um and also to it's interesting how we expect the worst to happen when we speak our truth (laughs) rather than knowing that oh hold on like um well, he was just showing how beautifully he can hold space for me when I do this. And, mm-hmm. and most of the time, you know, in our relationships, people want to support each other. Um, so just practice, 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 and then it happens naturally. just, the, um, yeah, just the other day, I was so proud of myself because this has been a really hard thing for me to express my needs because there's a fear that someone might dislike me if I say no, or if I say I don't like that, right? So, but there was this, actually this tourist walking through town and she just, you know, brought up her camera and like photographed my daughter. And I was Mm -hmm. like, and that has happened a few times and I haven't been able to say anything. And then I sit with that emotion for days. And disappointment with myself. And you know, all of these things that come up in stagnation. And but this time I went up and I was like, you know what? That's not okay. You need to ask people before you take their picture. And she's like, oh, but she's just so cute. And I'm like, I know, thank you very much. Delete that photo now, please. Yeah. And after that, I was like, Yay! You know, it was such a huge thing, a huge nice. moment for me. But like we can practice, and when we do that, we honor ourselves. Yeah. We honor our truth and we really need to come back to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Angelica. And yes, nice, one, mama. <laughs> <laughs> Delete that photo. <laughs> so, so that we,
2: yeah. yeah, that we speak up. And as you say, like how how more softness is coming to all these other parts of ourselves when mm-hmm. we are doing
1: that. So interlinked. So say we've got to the point of, we know what we want. We've communicated with our partner and then we we make love but you realize as you're a few minutes in that it just doesn't feel comfortable and you notice that you've you've been triggered maybe your body starts to become tense maybe your mind starts to wonder what can we do in the moments and I ask this question because I asked this question and it seems like there's an obvious answer, but sometimes just hearing the right sentence to say, to make some space, mm-hmm. not the right one, but a sentence that can help you is enough to make that space to make a decision of what to do next.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think in a perfect world, all of our partners would be trauma-informed and would just know how to hold space for us and cue into our nonverbal communication when we are feeling triggered. Um, Alas, this is not a perfect world, (laughs) far from it. And our partners can sometimes re-traumatize or participate in re-traumatization if we don't keep dialogue open and honest and safe. So before sex or before sexual exploration or before the body being touched at all, being able to talk to one another about any stuckness that you're feeling or any vulnerabilities or any insecurities mm-hmm. talking about having check-ins and maybe even co word code words that, um, halt activities and behaviors, um, setting up ex- expectations are huge. So setting up the expectations that feeling triggered could, could very well be a part of the experience and how important the role of check-ins are um, and allowing there to be conversations around, you know, sex isn't going to look the way it used to for now and it's going to feel interrupted with check-ins. Um, when postpartum sex is woman focused, it goes at her pace. It stops when she needs it to, and it starts when she needs it to. So when we think about sex, we really need to sit down with our partners and define what sex looks like now, because sex might not look like penetration. And if the two of you have had conversation around, okay, I think we're ready to have sex. And there hasn't been explicit communication around what that's going to look like, you mm-hmm. might end up being penetrated when you're not ready. So what, um, actually within, within the BDSM and kink world, there's a term called, um, uh, aftercare or, uh, what, the concept of just caring for your partner after you've uh, played out a scene or after you've had an intimate encounter. And I think that. Aftercare is should be a part of all um, intimate or sexual experiences where there's lots of check-ins, there's lots of caretaking, there's lots of presence and mindful mm. touch and softness and nurturing taking place.
2: Mm.
1: I love that so much because I think that's parts missed. Just like the postpartum care for the mother, I feel like after after sex, this is also missed of just that time of checking in again and breathing with each other and just holding that space for what you've created and also that if both people or no people had an orgasm like if that didn't happen that's okay to Uh see that there is um you have your intention moving through with what it is we're trying to connect and heal and and I I wanted to ask the question really leading from that of do you think that sex can support
0: the healing of birth trauma? Yes, I do. I For the same reason that Angelica just talked about this concept of going back to the belly of the beast, going back to this place where you experienced that freeze state, not being able to step up and do something, not being able to say or use your voice in a way that would have know protected in a way your brain is telling you you know the intrusive thought is you didn't you didn't protect your child in that moment um and then there's the reenacting of the scenario and going back back to that place and being able to play out the situation in a way that you feel empowered communicates to the brain that you you fought off the predator you kept it at bay you ran from it you protected your baby and so Sex can be healing for birth trauma because it's putting you back in this vulnerable situation. It's putting you back, um, it's teaching you that you can communicate skills, you're learning or you're relearning what connection and safety feels like and sounds like and looks like, and you're in charge of the outcome. So usually when we experience birth trauma, particularly obstetric violence, um, where we feel like birth is happening to us, where we feel like um, maybe birth isn't even representing the, the situation that you know the baby was just born and you weren't an active participant and there was no autonomy involved in the experience. And so having a partner that really understands or can empathize what that would have been like for you and can prioritize safety, can prioritize connection, can put you in charge of how your body interacts with your sexuality or with the situation or with their body is going to um, reinforce this idea that you do have control, there is no predator, you are safe you can dictate what's happening moving forward. And that situation is not this situation. Mm. Well,
2: yeah, thanks for that. And and I, I did, it, it, yeah, it just brings me also to something I read recently that it takes about, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but it takes it, for a woman from like 20 to 40 minutes to get aroused yeah. even so here like really starting gentle and maybe by you know my each other and like as you said like check in on each other in between and um, but just that like that numbers maybe like oh my god like this is so important and this is mm. information everyone should know why did not i even know this mm-hmm. and like 20 to 40 minutes i mean it's we need <laughs> <laughs> you know we need and and it takes love to open a woman's like i would say flower up i call it wow. like the bull, but the flower you know she needs to blossom up and welcome you in and it's not yeah we just need time and love and and, and yeah the the how, how would I call it? not the awareness awareness as well but the the presence is mm. really oh. being present with each other mm. wow you have inspired me a lot today yeah thank you too. yeah
0: well, so much thank you
1: you that know just, a lot. I just wanted to say as well it, when you were saying that Angelica was well, I thought about you know the the sexual experiences I'd had as a child like as a child like a teenager and um they were very intrusive very abusive like abusive to me and I was being abusive to myself and they was being abusive to to me ignorantly you know with there's the information out there but they they didn't know you know like children kids teenagers growing up it was just like it was fun And, and I think I carried that on through my adulthood, not really knowing like my boundaries and not knowing how to, as you say, open the flower, let it blossom, welcome in. It was more of like Mm -hmm. a task to do to be um, accepted and thought that I would be loved. And I think actually being very conscious in the postpartum phase and taking it slow with Elon has helped me to heal that aspect of my life. Because for once it's like, what is, what does my body need? And I can say no, you know, like I never knew how to say no. So I can say no, we can slow it down. And it teaches you a new way of knowing what you, you desire. And, and also I just think it's so beautiful that you can go on this healing journey together Mm -hmm. because it's, it's like a, a completely new chapter in the book. So it's very, very beautiful if we can slow down and give ourselves time for it. And when you were saying like the 20 to 40 minutes I was thinking you know the best days for us are when we have that throughout the day um you know just like that the the eye contact the gentle stroke on the Mm. back the kind words them kind of things leading into it and I know it's difficult (laughs) being a mother like because time and the stresses of the day and everything like that and just feeling like we said in the beginning just like just not feeling sexy enough but then when you start to do that them touches through the day it doesn't matter if you're covered in sick or poop or whatever it's like beyond all of this you are seen and you are loved and at the end there's somebody going to be waiting there for you to to connect to your heart, heart space with you to merge with you whatever that looks like it doesn't matter but there's just so much beauty in them and that's my speech yeah
2: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it makes me it makes me also think about like what i was sharing with with me and my partner that it has been yeah maybe as Ashley said that it's not that common but you know it's the opposite almost and I'm like okay hey dude I'm here I'm waiting what's happening and he's like well you know let's just take our time and I'm like well it's been a year we're coming to two years like come on you know I'm not okay with this but Mm -hmm. like how can you yeah like how do you work with the opposite what can you do Uh to and that's what yeah I, I was a little bit touching that you know also, I can work with finding my own juiciness again, of course, again. But I realize that I am, I'm also nervous. Mm-hmm. Like I, I sound all cocky and like, yeah, let's just do it. But I'm really nervous. Uh-huh. You know, like it feels like, yeah, like, of course, like when I get on the bike, I will cycle again. But it's kind of like a little wingly in the beginning. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I feel where I'm at with this. Um, yeah, with this topic of, of reconnecting in that way. Yeah. Do you have anything? Um, yeah. Do you have anything on how to like reconnect back there again? But maybe you always said it like communication. Talk about. Well, fears and. Yes. Like, yeah.
0: Communication. I mean, that's going to be the center of, of almost yeah. everything. But I I will say um, in the past, one of my most popular social media posts was about. Um, Women who were mothers and um, women who tend to embody a lot of masculine energy through their um, roles throughout the day, whether that's work, whether that's um, you know they're volunteer, what do they do for volunteer, how they show up in their day-to- day lives? And how exhausting that is. and when they when it comes to sex and intimacy, they don't want to lead because leadership is a a very uh, masculine and embodied um, behavior. And so they don't want to lead, they want to be led and they want their partner to step into a more masculine role or more masculine essence or energy so that they can embody femininity. And, and naturally when our, partners kind of our male partners step into that masculine role we default to femininity to the feminine energy and if our partners are hesitating but they're being maybe like too tender or too careful or um unsure and insecure then this can bring up some frustration in that like i'm not i'm not fragile i'm not broken like grab me and make love to me and, and own this experience and confidently move with my body instead of, you know, acting like I'm going to crumble. If you put too much pressure, you know, in a kiss Mm. or, or you're overly confident in how you, you know, hold my face when we, when we kiss. So I think that, that there's this shift that does take place where, you know, the early experiences of postpartum sex should be um, mindful and slow paced and careful and then a transition happens where you know the the mental load of motherhood begins to wear down and decision fatigue begins to set in and it's more along the lines of I want I, I want fantasies to unfold and that looks like not having to dictate how sex is going to be and how sex is going to look mm. and I want you to take the lead and I want you to sweep me off my feet and maybe get a little rough and maybe, you know, um, tap into a, a side of you that you're not normally or you don't have an outlet to experience in your day to day. Wow! All right, I'm, I'm getting excited. excited. Yeah, I'm like, wow, this is amazing! Thank
1: you. I'm ready to start practicing. Here we go.
2: <laughs> Elon's
1: in <for> a treat. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ashley. And we would love for you just to take the stage right now and share with the listeners what you have to offer and where they can find you.
0: Yeah, so uh, you caught me at a good time. I'm in the middle of a rebrand. And so my website should be all up and functioning. It's still functioning, but the the new look should be up and ready by the end of the summer. And that's mindonline.ca. And one thing to look out for with the rebrand will be um, a freebie that I'll be sending out to everybody who's interested in um, receiving will be uh, one page of of the, um, I haven't really officially named it yet. So it's along the lines of the new new dad's guide to supporting a postpartum woman. Um, I don't want it to be uh, shameful in any way, but it will include a lot of uh, testimonials from women who have said, this was helpful and this was not helpful and i would advise you know new fathers to do this and not do this so that will be available upon the launch um i am always all over instagram all the time unfortunately it has felt like the way to to reinforce building a village in this disconnected time but i am on instagram at mindonlinetherapy.ca Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ashley.
1: This has just been an awesome conversation.
0: I'm always so grateful that people um, allow me to talk to their people and allow me to be a guest in their space. And um, it's very humbling. So Mm. thank you.
1: Thank you.